You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. We're four deep into the regular season. The Kings are doing okay. Not too bad. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm, I'm phenomenal. It's actually today. We're, we're doing a rare daytime recording, so I'm, you know, not halfway in bed, which is always good for recording quality, I'm sure. Yeah, this is the first time I've actually said, how are you tonight, Vardy, and it's not night, but... Mm. It's tradition, so I can't break it right now. So I feel you. I feel you, especially when we get to uh, episode 28, the inaugural Jared Anderson Dolan episode. Oh, we're going recent. We're. I'm going to mix it up. It could be recent. It could be old school. I, I don't know. Plus, the kid worked his ass off. He got a point. He deserves an episode. He really does. He really does. I'm cool with that. Um, I was hoping for Steve Duchesne, but whatevs. Mm. Whatevs. That's I'm okay. A, I'm a history guy, but I can live with Jared Anderson Dolan because... Like you said, he got his first NHL assist, and I'm happy for him. And he's a good player, isn't he? He's he looked very impressive. I gotta say, he he probably could have had a goal. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that he was shooting glove side high on Carey Price, I think, because uh, he looked pretty good. Right. I'm pretty happy with how that's turned out so far. Yeah, and we'll get into that more. But first, Vardy, I want to ask you how your life is going. What's new? What's been new with Vardy? Wow, we're Digging personal, huh? Gonna let the fans in on on the inner bannerman, shall we say? Maybe just you. We'll see how yours goes. Okay, um, I'm doing good. Um, uh, you know, finding a little more time to to record. I think than than we had in August, which is nice. I think for both of us. Um, I got a new stick. You did. I was very excited about this. Yes. Um, What'd you get? So you remember you and I. So Gato and I went in on a, on a deal they had on Hockey Giant a few months back uh, where it was like buy one stick, get one half off. And so he got himself a, a Bauer uh, Nexus 1N, I think, is what he ended up getting. And I got myself a, an Easton Synergy GX, which is uh, basically the stick that I'd seen Dowdy play with. But it wasn't because Dowdy played with it. It's just yeah, it was right. the one that had it. I, I totally <laughs> want to be a – yeah, that's it. That's why. <laughs> um no, but I, I liked that stick a lot, and actually, um, I felt like it was a pretty good stick, even though apparently Easton's no longer making hockey anything That's correct. Anymore. That's yeah. correct. They yeah, got bought out. Mm-hmm. By Bauer, I think, right? It's either or, – I mean, I think it's CCM. It's one of the two, one <laughs> because of the two. there's two games in town, as we've discussed before. It might be Bauer. I don't know, but – Au contraire, mon frere. I ended up buying myself a uh, a new Warrior stick. Yes, Warrior's still kicking. Warriors, Warriors still, still kicking, kicking I around. Take that I, back. Think, I think focusing more so on their sticks, and I think the last Warrior stick I had was maybe like eight years ago when they when they first came out and the black Dolomites or whatever they were. They look like right. they had. That's that was actually Kopitar's first stick. There you go. In the NHL, his first stick deal was with Warrior. Mm-hmm. And I remember that very clearly. I also had a black Dolomite, right. and a friend of the show, the Boomerang, had that neon monstrosity or <laughs> uh, neon green one, which is not easy on the eyes. No, but, you can see a shot coming from the opposite goal line. But really, none of his gear was easy on the eyes back then. So <laughs> remember his blue tinted visor. It, it was really cool. I gotta say, Bo- we love you, Boomer. We're just we love you, Boomer. <laughs> but uh no so i i actually ended up 
uh, finding myself inside Hockey Monkey for like the first time in years, not buying something online. And uh, so not by choice because I, I typically – Aside from that Easton that I bought, I typically favor the Bauer sticks as I think most people do. But looking through all of their stick selection, it seems that the curve that I like, which is not a particularly crazy curve, in fact, it's a pretty flat half half uh, you know halfway curve um, without much of a toe open or anything like that, just a closed curve. They're pretty much all gone, wow. and all the sticks that I've ever used. And so all they had were these nasty looking, either ridiculous Ovechkin curves that would make Marty McSorley blush or these ones with these absurd toe picks yeah. that look like, you know, that look like you're, I don't even know how to describe it. They look like a, a like a Captain Hook kind of looking thing, you know, where the, the blade almost points backwards towards you by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, ha- uh, I actually have, so on my Bauer, it's the Ovechkin curve, which I believe is the old Easton Sackett curve, which mm-hmm. is a nasty, it's not the best in terms it's, of control, but um, if you get the hang of it, and it takes some time, uh, my, my thing is like, I want to be able to make nice passes, crisp, mm-hmm. you know, nice saucer passes, which is my bread and butter, and be able to get the puck up without much effort, which is not my bread and butter. So, <laughs> so that's where I'm at um, with mine. Yeah, see, I have the opposite problem. I I like to have a little bit of a flatter curve so I can receive passes on the back end a little bit better. And most of my shots end up going high as it is. And so if I had something like what you have, I I would kill people in the stands. Field goals, right. I get you. Constantly. I get you. So anyway, looking through all the curves that they had available, um, Warrior actually was the one that had a curve that I seemed to like. And... uh, you know, hockey sticks are not cheap anymore. Not that they ever were, I guess. But uh, two hundred some odd dollars later, I'm a proud owner of a new Warrior stick, and I like it. It's uh, it's actually pretty nice. Well, I congratulations, congratulations! You got to spoil yourself sometimes. Every, and treat yourself. Treat yourself, as they say. Hopefully, it doesn't snap on me outside of the warranty period, because then I'll be very upset. Yeah, my um, last stick broke actually because it got stuck between some dude's legs and he fell, and it just literally just snapped in half between his legs not pleased about that that'll do it that'll do it you know stick wise i've had a lot of luck um and it's weird because i take face-offs a lot Mm -hmm. of face-offs every game and i'm I'm always kind of surprised at how long my sticks tend to last yeah even though one of my sticks years ago uh it was an outlet pass to the neutral zone and i received the pass on my backhand and the stick just snapped on the yeah. <laughs> very soft buttery pass uh by the way and but other than that i mean i've had pretty good luck with it um i think luckily i play at a level where there isn't a lot of hacking and whacking uh but the face-offs will do it though the face-offs Man, a lot will of guys do it. on the face-offs just come down hard they're not even looking to win the puck they're just looking to you know stop you from winning it and so there's a lot of chopping going on. Yeah. In the circle. So I, again, I've just been lucky. Uh, yeah. I haven't bought any new gear, and I, I just got some laces for my skates. Does that count? Yeah. What color? White. Ah. I like traditional. white. I like white. I don't like the yellow and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, white's my jam. That's what I always go waxed for. Waxed or no waxed? Waxed. I go back and forth on this. Um, sometimes I like wax. Sometimes I don't. But this time I just went with it. Whatever. The wax will be gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> three but, sessions for, anyway. But while it's there, it holds up so while nice. While it's you there, don't have to like right. While it's there, it's there. 
So I respect that and appreciate respect that. The wax. I respect you, <laughs> Howie's Skate Lace brand, official sponsor of the Shout Banner. Out to Howie's. Yeah. Nope, nope, not there, not. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's been about it. What about you? Anything non-hockey related? Non-hockey related? Because um, I mean, we're going to spend the next hour talking about nothing but yeah, hockey. We are. Saw some movies. I know you guys might have picked up on this. We like movies, guys. Based on mm. all our episode titles, you might have deciphered that <laughs> subtle riddle. Um, and one movie actually I saw was Venom. Oh, and, hold on! Did you see Venom? I didn't. I saw the reviews. Then, exactly. Then you have no right to say these things or make these right. sounds. Okay, so I'll sit silently. Go Here's the it. deal. I, I read the reviews and I was like, God, this is going to suck. Usually, um, the reviews tend to line up with how I feel about a movie. Usually. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much even. Venom got decimated, right? So I was like, I went in and I was like, my wife's a big Tom Hardy fan. Because of his acting, I'm sure. Right. Um, his mostly, mostly acting. So we went in. We watched it. It's good. Like Ven- actually good? Venom or, is a good movie. Or like good compared to what your expectations were when of you went in Of course that there. has – look, of course that has something to do with it, right? I go in, you know, expecting garbage and I don't get garbage. Here's mm-hmm. the deal. Like is it Gone with the Wind? No. Obviously not. Is it up to par with like some of the best superhero movies? No. But I will tell you this. To me, it was from an entertainment standpoint, me sitting there and, and watching the movie, I thought it was on par with Deadpool 2. Really? Yes. That's high praise, man. I mean, we have to realize though, I didn't love Deadpool 2. I thought it was very much repetitive of the repetitive first of the first one the first one was great that's why i'm not saying it's deadpool one sure sure but i laughed there was a lot of funny stuff in it the, the major criticism for the movie is that it, it's the tone is all over the place are we um, talking about deadpool 2 now or venom? Well, i'm talking about venom okay the okay. major criticism i read is the tone is all over the place they don't really stick to one thing but i would say that's what works for it in many mm. ways um i liked it man i mean Watch it. Uh, maybe wait for the HBO release or whatever. That's, that was kind of my plan. But watch it with an open mind, okay? And, and I'm telling you, it's funny. I laughed a lot. There's some funny stuff going on in that movie. Huh. Um, I think Tom Hardy did a good job. The whole Venom, um, Eddie Brock kind of split personality thing, they do well with it. Like, I enjoyed it. Now That part I had heard. I had heard that basically – the problem is not Tom Hardy. The problem is not necessarily even the character of Eddie Brock slash Venom. It just ends up being a bit of a CGI cluster. But like, you can't do Venom without – No, 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 no. It, it, I, I get that. But like to the point where sometimes you can't tell who's who because of the CGI like in terms of the fights. That's okay, kind of okay, what so I heard. Okay, so the last fight – is a symbiote versus a symbiote spoilers i guess whatever yeah i'm sure everyone saw that coming so i don't think that's big that big of a spoil yes it does get a little murky yeah in the fights but overall man like it didn't bother me and and we have always lamented movies that as we call our cgi orgies and Mm -hmm. you don't know what the hell's going on who's who where's what's where this movie for the most part did not bring me to that feeling that emotion so i'm telling you it's a it was a pleasant surprise i enjoyed it okay. um 
there's ridiculous things in it don't get me wrong but it works it worked for me on this occasion like i watched i don't know lately x-men apocalypse for the first time because i hadn't seen oh, it in theater. like dude you cannot there's no way and if you pull up the scores i bet you they're close right the rotten tomato scores Probably. there's there's no friggin' way venom is is not tremendously better than x-men apocalypse I think it's also a level of expectation, too. I think that the couple of X-Men movies leading up to Apocalypse were good. Like yes. Days of Future Past might be one of the best X-Men movies. I loved and it. Then, and then Apocalypse. I think it's expectation for both of those scenarios. Both Apocalypse and Venom have a very strong fan following. And it's a matter of can you deliver the character in a way that – I think that people are satisfied with the representation of the character. And I think Apocalypse failed that very much. And, and obviously I haven't seen Venom, but I, I can't I, – I think the one thing that at least from a visual perspective and at least from the actor, you know, from the reviews from what I've seen is that at least they were respectful in terms of the representation of the character and, you know, the history behind it a little bit. They yeah, you and, know. and to be but for honest, example, Apocalypse is supposed to be like seven feet freaking tall. Right, he's right. He's supposed right. to be this godlike figure, and he's a strapping five he's Oscar foot six, Isaac, maybe. Right, right. right. But and another thing is, I had I don't claim to know a lot about the about Venom's literary history. I really mm-hmm. don't. I haven't read a lot about Venom. X Men's different. Batman's different. Like I have a better knowledge of that stuff. So I go into this like completely, like. What I know about Venom was Spider-Man 3 going into this movie, which is a complete, I don't know, clown show, tire fire, dumpster fire. Not a good movie. Not a good movie. So that maybe all those things added up to me enjoying the movie a lot. I'm telling you, it is not as bad as as the critics are making it out to be. In fact, I don't really get what the hell they're really talking about when they're bashing this movie as hard as they are so it's all about standards i think i think and expectations, expectations have yeah. become a lot higher now especially when you have a character like that and sony's desperately trying to hold on to whatever they can from from their own rights to the spider-man characters and now they've had a little bit of a an agreement with marvel and then marvel gets to put out the spider-man movies with sony's blessing and they knock him out the park. I think in both of the Spider-Man movies that they, that uh, well, I guess they've only had one so far. But the second one's coming, and apparently it looks pretty good too. But I think when you set the bar to that level, and then you put out Venom, and it's not to that level, then you leave people a little bit disappointed. So Probably. I think expectations are, are very much a part of that. Probably, like I said, good movie. I, honestly, I laughed as much as I did in uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is essentially a buddy comedy. Right. I'm telling you, this movie is a buddy comedy too, except the buddies are like merged one into person. one person. Yeah. So that's that. Go watch it. All right. Bannerman, sponsored by Venom. <laughs> Black and white, just like the Kings. That's where it's at. There you go. Low yeah. expectations, just like the Kings. All right. 15 minutes into the podcast, not a single thing about the Kings. Um, if you're still with roll. us, if you're still with us, folks, let's get into it, Vardy. What do you say? All right. Speaking of tempered Venom? expectations <laughs> yeah. and things in black and white. I'm going to really force this segue here. It's good. I like Let's it. Let's talk about the Kings. Let's do this. So, so far, we're uh, we're four games into the season. 
Um, I don't know. I don't think I've, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised in some ways, uh, disappointed in others, bewildered and, uh, <laughs> hopeful in other ways that, uh, some of the more significant injuries that seem to have happened already, a whopping four games into the season won't, won't cripple us too much. Yeah. Um, and I guess in general, just a little bit surprised as to how the Pacific division so far and granted very, very small sample size, super early things can totally turn around, but just a little bit surprised as to how slowly some teams are coming out of the gate, particularly in the Pacific. What about you? What do you think so far? So overall on the entire NHL season, as usual, I think this has become a norm now. The first week or so is just wacky. Mm -hmm. It's wacky. Scoring is way up. There are scores like <laughs> the Toronto games in particular. Funny stat for you guys. At this moment, Toronto leads the league in goals for and leads the league in goals against. Yep. So that gives you an idea of how they're playing, which I'm sure is just entertaining as hell. I, I saw a little bit of what they're playing. But goal scoring across the league, it seems like, is up, especially in the East. A lot of 7 5, 8 5, 5 nothing, <laughs> like big scores. And there's only so much of that we can blame on Brian Elliott. Yeah, and believe me, we have. He's, he's, a, he's a part of it, big time. We cherish the moments we can blame Brian Elliott for something. But for the Kings, not high scoring. Um, not a whole lot going on actually in terms of shots on goal or high danger chances and things like that. Uh, but to piggyback off what you said, after four games, I feel just like I did last year after about four games, I think. Not very different, right? The Kings are still still look like they're figuring things out in many ways. Uh, let's go through the games, right? Let's see what we can kind of dissect from what we've seen so far. Sure. San Jose game, right? 3-2 loss. Probably the most encouraging game of the season thus far for me is game one. Uh, the Kings go down 2 nothing, but after they go down, they really start to turn things up. And I think they right. had, after Kopitar gets that first one, they had a lot of rushes right not zone time not grind time but rushes with really good looks at martin jones generating quality chances and towards the end of that game you're starting to feel really good about where the team is going and it's only one game which is crazy to say that you actually get any kind of feeling of what the team is they lose yeah. an overtime on a change a bad change which is fine i have no issue with ot losses shootout losses i don't you know beat it up too much it's a mis one mistake usually costs you in that situation, and that's exactly what happened in that game. Yeah, I agree, and I, I realize that for a lot of people, um, the Kings' overtime record and their ability to, you know, win some seventy some percentage of of the of the games that go to OT is a big thing to hang their hat on. But it's like you said, I mean, it's when it's three on three and there's that much open ice. Um, one mistake can definitely cost you, and the Kings had their chances to win that one in overtime. They just couldn't couldn't quite finish it. Um, I think it was encouraging in a lot of ways because you and I both, when they went down 2-0, I think we both texted each other simultaneously like game, you know, that's it. This is, here we go again. It's kind of lingering from the last season, not a lot of offensive effort, not a lot of just chances. And they found a way to at least get a point out of a game that, you know, most situations I think they would lose. I think, um, you know, it's funny, San Jose, for all the moves that we made and all the praise that we heaped upon them and really everyone did, 
I, you know, I follow them kind of peripherally just because I'm always interested in Pacific Division opponents. I'm still yet to see that that Carlson effect that I'm waiting for, that effect of like this team is suddenly another rung above where they are. I think Evander Kane has adjusted incredibly well to being there and has become a, a key cog in that machine they got going. But as of yet, I haven't really felt like Carlson has has really put them over the top in the way that I think they were hoping for. Uh, and that's that's good for us, because, I mean, was he a factor in the game? I, I honestly I don't remember. I don't remember him ever being like I mean, there was a couple chances that he had. But, you know, I also remember one chance where he kind of he made a rush into the play, kind of came down the slot and tried to take a pass. And the shot got blocked and the Kings turned right back around and they went two on one the other direction. And I was like. There you go. This is this is kind of more the Carlson that I'm used to, or like the offensive instinct overpowers the the defensive coverage and makes him a little bit more of a liability. Um, and I I take that. I I trust the Kings team defense to take advantage of those scenarios if they want to give him that kind of an opening to do that. So I was pretty happy with how how the play was going. Um, and I think even early on, I was pretty happy with with how Kovalchuk individually had been playing. I still think that uh, even after four games, the power play in particular, which was supposed to be something that he was supposed to help us with, and the chemistry with Kopitar, which was supposed to be something that we're really hoping for, neither of those things have really come together yet. I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Um, It wasn't until, I think, their last game where the Sharks – or last game was Rangers, so that Philly game – on Tuesday, I think that's when they really yeah, started. Yeah, they dropped seven on them, kind of. Eight, uh, eight. eight to two was the score there. Carlson had two assists. Um, so that's, I think, maybe. I'm, look, I'm not worried about the Sharks. They're going to be fine. Look, they have weapons outside of Carlson. The main thing I saw with San Jose in that game against the Kings in particular is they were not uh, putting Carlson at the very top of the power play. Not too many times, anyway. Burns, I think, was getting right. a majority of that. And I think that's going to change if it hasn't already because I didn't really watch through the last few games. Carlson needs to be at the top, right? He needs to be at the very top of that power play, getting shots through and feeding people. Um, then again, Burns, you know, he's also <laughs> great at the top, too. So that's kind of a conundrum for them. And likewise for the Kings, the first four or five power plays, Kovalchuk was not right. on the off wing. Right taking his off-wing clapper, which is essentially his fatality, if you want to throw back to Mortal Kombat. Like, that's his move. Like, that's where... It's it's like, would you not... If you got Ovechkin for whatever reason, would you not put him right. where he scored, like, yeah, 400 gonna, of his goals? You're not going to put him behind the net and have him set up passes. Right. And so the Kings power play is, is it something we're going to talk about moving forward because they're doing some wonky shit on that power play. Dion Phaneuf, the last two games, has been a forward... <laughs> uh, standing in front of the net i guess switching with kovalchuk when they get into the uh basically get into the way they line up the power play kovalchuk moves now to where he's supposed to be and Fanuf is in front of the net it's just odd it's like when you're a squirt coach and you're like put the biggest kid in front of the net you know let's see what happens he'll yeah. get a rebound and score Fanuf's not the biggest guy but he <laughs> might be the strongest anyway so yeah i mean you know, it's funny you comment on that, but that might be the Dustin Brown effect. I mean, Brown led the sure. Kings in power play goals last season, and most sure. of his goals Garbage. are up front where he's you know he's taking the he's taking the body and the damage there. And so now with him being out, it's I don't know 
I don't know if they found anyone, so they're they're kind of going through their lineup trying to figure out who can be that guy until they can get him back. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Another thing out of that San Jose game that really I think everyone was talking about was Austin Wagner, right? He had mm-hmm. two or three rushes to the net that you could either call a breakaway or a half breakaway, strictly using his wheels. And, man, that is an impression that most rookies do not leave in their first game, right? I mean, he beat, I think one of the plays, Mamadio basically gave him the Hail Mary and he beat out Eric Carlson in a foot race. Yeah. And he was way ahead of him by the time yeah. he, his stick made contact with the puck. So just like he that, knocked man, it down midair, by the way, he like, might've, yeah, he might've, yeah. I don't really remember, but, but the point is like, he beat what is considered to be one of the best skaters of the last few years anyway. Well, before his injury, in Eric Carlson and he beat him soundly and he got a, a breakaway on Martin Jones. So encouraging. And it didn't stop right against Detroit. He had looks, mm-hmm. um, actually, I don't know when he was scratched in favor of speed. I think it was, a, Kyle I think Clifford. It was a, I think it was the last two games, but I have to look back. I think he played, uh, he definitely played against the sharks and, uh, the wings. I'm Cause you're sure not going to take them out. Right. Yeah. So I, th- I think the last two games he was scratched. Yeah, against Winnipeg is a team you don't want speedsters on. Right. Uh, on the team, obviously. <laughs> obviously, guys. Let's scratch him. Toronto, the 15th. Scratch him. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little – look, we'll get into all the games, but I'm a little perturbed that he – look, I get it. He's a kid. He's still learning. But what has he done to not merit being in the lineup I respect Kyle Clifford. I think I love Kyle Clifford as a player, <laughs> what he's brought. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you, it's time, man. <laughs> it's time. Like, I'm, I don't know what you want to do with him. I don't know. I'm not advocating trading him. But you got to, at this point, the way the league is trending, and we've been saying this, the way these games have gone, you look around the league, the way the bottom six is set up for teams that score, this is now – an offense over defense league. If it's not now, it's going to be very, very shortly. Yeah. And I think Kyle Clifford, for all he's brought, for all he brings, for how much they, he's loved in the locker room, and rightfully so, he deserves all of it. I think it's time to maybe think about what, what you do with a player like him at this point of his career. Because Wagner, yes, he's not going to bang the way Clifford does. But, man, his speed is undeniable. Undeniable. This team needs that a player like Austin Wagner on the bottom six in every wing. If you can get a player like that, put a player like that on the wings. That's just my opinion. It's a short sample size, but that's just my opinion on that. Yeah. So just to clarify, I'm looking at the game charts. He actually was in the game against Winnipeg. The reason why you probably didn't realize that is because he only played seven minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. Um, so, and he, by the way, the first goal was on him. I don't Hmm. know if you remember, he let, uh, so there's a, rota- there's a rotation by Winnipeg on that play where they're moving all five guys around and the Kings are kind of zoning up a little bit. And Shifley does this great play where he goes into like a soft area, mm-hmm. curls around, and then just darts to the net and Wagner missed them. And right. it's his guy. It's his coverage. That's fine. Right. No yeah. problem. It's a mistake. But are we going to bench him for that? That's on the coach if he uh, deems it fit. Fine. But again – he's going to be needed going down the stretch. You know, is Kyle Clifford going to pick that guy up? I don't know. 
I really right. don't know. Maybe he does. Right. Maybe he's veteran savvy. You know, he reads the play and puts the stick on it. But this is becoming an attacking game. That's my point. It's not becoming a defensive game anymore. Right. I think I think you just look at the overall plus minuses, and I don't mean the stat. I mean the the contribution to game flow and chances. Yes. Right. Yes. I think I think a guy like Wagner and the speed that he's utilizing, even if he's not necessarily finishing yet, I think that's going to come. But the fact that you have someone like that who, from what I've seen, is willing to backcheck too. This isn't just a one-way speed that he's showing. No, you know? sure. I think if you have someone like that, it's a constant threat to the other team. Yeah. It makes the other team have to be aware, have to sit a little farther back with their defensemen, prevent them from activating as much in the offensive zone. It, it, it creates another factor another way of attacking and a way of turning the the play around in your zone that i don't think you necessarily get with a kyle clifford and i think you know we we think the world of clifford and for everything he's done for the team and you know the good soldier that he's kind of been in the presence that he brings but he i don't think he's ever lived up to the billing for what they were hoping for when they when they drafted him and now i think he's unfortunately a guy and we've we've talked about this before i think i think he's a guy who's a little bit out of a role now like they, they kind of keep him around because he's a good guy and he's he's done all these things but you know you're paying him a mil and a half a year to One be a good six, guy yeah. Yeah. right you're giving him minutes that should be going to younger guys because so far i mean look at this right like so wagner's getting seven eight minutes a game anderson dolan's maybe getting seven eight minutes a game Anderson Dolan within one or two games is already showing you a really hard work and play and getting a really solid assist on Amadio's goal against Montreal. And Wagner's already showing you chances with his speed. What I, I when's the last time you noticed Kyle Clifford on a consistent basis? Yeah, in a game? It's, it's not his game. Right. That's just the bottom line. He's not he's not a difference maker offensively or def- defensively now right. where he comes in as a difference maker is games where maybe you know it's going to be chippy against the anaheims against the san jose's i get it like this is the type of player maybe you need on the ice in to use a very dated reference patrolling the situation patrolling the wings making sure nothing crazy happens and he's still valuable in that respect but you got to make a tough decision on this guy sooner or later um his age it just doesn't match up with where you're trying to go he is not a part of your core he is not a part of the one of the pieces you keep together while your younger guys come up and start to take spots he's a guy that whose spot should be challenged every training camp and i feel like it hasn't been in a Mm -hmm. long time i feel like he's safe in the last few years and it's it's time for that spot to be up for grabs and and that's just the bottom line with me and Clifford again we like him I, he still serves a purpose but there's more coming right there's more coming like Gabe Velarde is going to get healthy soon right uh Matt right. Luff you is playing well what? right so at some point these guys need to play Johnny Brodzinski is going to get healthy at some point right. is he what's his deal you know he need, he might need a spot at some point or be sent down whatever so there's decisions coming and that's that's really all we're saying um we like Wagner, like Anderson Dolan from what we've seen. Uh, hopefully they do enough to stick around, although I have a hard time. I don't know, man. It's tough on Anderson Dolan. It's really tough to make that call on him right now yeah. because he's showing you that at the very least he belongs in the NHL. At the very least. 
Right. He's going to make mistakes. Yes, he still has a lot to learn, but he is not out of place. What sending him to junior? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, what's he going to learn down there? Yeah, it's 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 you know, and this is this is kind of touching upon the thing that we talked about in our make a better NHL, you know, um, episode. They're kind of stuck, and a lot of these draft picks right now are stuck because of age situations. Where yeah. for you know, they're eighteen, they're nineteen years old. They're clearly too good for junior. Okay, they got nothing left to learn there, but they're not old enough yet to go to the AHL, and so they have this full season yeah. where they just kind of mess around in, in junior, don't really learn anything, and just put up ridiculous stats. Um, and your options are basically you have no option. You either send them down and let them just pile up numbers and know and that they're likely overmatching. pick up bad habits. Exactly, exactly, overmatching their opponents until they turn twenty, and then you send them to the AHL for you know. 10 15 games at the end of that season because the because the junior season tends to overlap a little bit with the ahl season so they get a little bit of experience there for like 10 15 games and then they have to sit around for three months before they can join another you know before the leagues start back up again so you're you're kind of in this no man no man's land situation with players like this who are too good for junior who aren't old enough for the ahl and who nhl teams don't want to burn a contract year on because that's one more year that they're closer to ufa which i think again if you either had a better developmental league that kind of covers the age limitation or you decrease the age limitation in the ahl something like that or you mess around with the ufa age where it doesn't matter you know, oh, we don't want to burn a year of his entry-level contract and make him one year closer to being a UFA. I think some changes need to be made for these players because you're getting, you're seeing more and more that these guys deserve to be in the NHL, deserve to have a roster spot. It's not going to hurt their development. In fact, it's going to help them probably, but they're just, they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And you know what? Looking at the small stretch of games he's played, it's, again, small sample size. We're not, you know throwing his right, banner into the rafters. I'm not saying he needs no. to play 82 games, exactly. 15 minutes exactly. a game. You but know but here's mean? the thing, right? Like he need there needs to be a spot for him at some right. point. Even this season. Like if you're if you're rotating wingers, is it gonna be what what's the deal? Velarde comes back, Brozinski comes back, Wagner, I you know, what are you gonna do? Wagner, Anderson Dolan, then what about Velarde? What about Brozinski? And that's where like the the you know, I'm not trying to beat on Kyle Clifford, but that's where like I look at Kyle Clifford, I'm like What's better for this team now and in the future? To play these kids as much as you can and trade Clifford, let's say, hypothetically, to make room for them, give them the minutes they need to get better, or send them to a place where maybe they're too good to be in terms of Velarde and in terms of Anderson Dolan, and keep Kyle Clifford so he can keep Kyle Cliffording it up. (laughs) So, so that's he's a, a good guy. He, he's a good guy, and he's he's a decent player. But like, what's good for this organization? Make right. the decision. Like, you got to make a smart decision. Look around the league, gauge what's working for other teams, gauge where the game is headed, and make a decision that I hope like you can make that's smart. I mean, that that that's just an opinion. Obviously, I think it's one we both share. Yeah, yeah. I think, and again, I I fully expect Anderson Dolan to get sent back. You know, after the nine game look, you think so? I think so. I, it, there's just, you know, there's too many guys who are probably going to end up coming back into the roster for them to 
keep him up. The only reason he even made the team is because a numbers game yeah. opened up. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, he could have he could have led the entire league in preseason scoring, and I think they were going to send him back rather than burn a year of his entry level contract. Yeah, that's just that's kind of how the roster is shaking up right now. Um, it's it's always nice, I think, and we're always hopeful with rookies because you're hoping it's going to be the next guy who's going to come in and really just maybe be you know the the Matt Barzell or whoever for the Kings like the Kings the last players that I think the Kings have had who really jumped in and immediately became impact players were to that extent probably Kopitar and Doughty to that extent yeah you're talking about to a real being a true like difference maker game breaker yeah, kind of player. Yeah, those are. I mean, look, those are hard to find. That's of course just they are. the reality. Of but yeah, they are. no, but you're right. You're so right. much praise about these players that you think like maybe this is going to be one of them. But then they, you know, they get eight minutes of ice time every third game or something like that, and then you begin to wonder like, okay, well, when are we going to see that? You know? Yeah. Even Kemp, when are they going to have? Even Kempe yeah. was a bit sheltered. Totally. In the beginning, he, which look, it, uh, you could argue it worked out for him, right? I mean, he's. We said he's last still only season, getting 10, he, 11 minutes. He's not in. getting right. He's getting bottom six minutes, essentially, um, minutes wise, anyway. So, right. yeah, I mean, okay, that's a good one. Good conversation there. Uh, the next thing let's, I want to talk about, I guess we're not going game by game, but we could touch on the games, sure. what we saw in the games. Jack Campbell, man. Uh, so, news broke after the San Jose game that Jonathan Quick, again, has a lower body injury sustained in practice. LBI, which in Kingsland, we know it as the groin of Jonathan mm-hmm. Quick. I don't think it's official, but I, I mean, right. it, it's the groin. It'd be if the I third. need a heat map, I would imagine it's, it's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jack Campbell now is a starting goalie for the time being. Um, what was your reaction to that? Was it doom and gloom or was it we'll be fine because we've been fine over the last three, four years. I think had this been two seasons ago, I think it would have been more doom and gloom. Well, it happened two seasons. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, I mean, and we doomed and gloomed this plenty. Yes, we doomed and gloomed then. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the problem. As, as I'm, maybe I'm getting a little too used to this. Maybe I'm getting too familiar with the idea that, you know, Jonathan Quick's groin ain't what it used to be when he was 25 years old. And, He's liable to have injuries like this, and that's why they've been trying to reduce the number of games he's playing every season to try and, and preserve which they him. Never do. <laughs> What's that? Which they never do. What? Well, I mean, they, they anna- did a little better. Last they announced year. it at the beginning of the year, and then it's like, no, right. you're right. They they did they did okay last year. Yeah, like he's not playing 70 games a season, which they were you know easily having him do before that. Um, and, and that was because Camper was playing well last year. That helped a lot. But again, that was out of necessity. Yeah. That was out of necessity, you know, and then it was Budai before that. But I guess that's what I'm saying is that not to take anything away from Jonathan Quick and his ability to be a big game goaltender and the presence that he brings to the team, which we've talked about before, that goes beyond the stats, right? Like there's there's an aura that he brings to the team that when he's in net, I think it it goes beyond objective data. I think it's something that the players feel and they're familiar with him and they know that he's going to, you know, come up with a big stop and bring a certain swag from the net out that you're not necessarily expecting from Peter Budai or Darcy Kemper or Jack Campbell now. Sure. So going beyond the fact that numbers are what they are, 
the Kings actually, their team system is so strong now that we have proof that you could put any decent goaltender in there and they can hold the fort until Jonathan Quick gets back. Budai did it and put up career numbers when everyone basically thought he was washed out. He made himself into a tradable commodity out of nowhere. Same thing with Darcy Kemper. You know, you could go further were, back, actually, with Ben Scrivens and Martin could, Jones. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Which is why now all the articles you're seeing are, is Jack Campbell the next Martin Jones? <laughs> yeah. No, because Jack Campbell came in with a first round pedigree and had to rebuild his career from basically being cast off from the Dallas Stars. And that's basically been Dusty Emu and the and the Kings development staff and Bill Ranford and them having the same effect so far on Campbell as they have on any, anyone else who seems to come to the Kings goaltending pipeline quite frankly yeah and that's very encouraging that's encouraging again not from not from maybe a present point of view but from a okay if anything happens to Jonathan Quick or when Jonathan Quick's time is up from being the Kings starting goaltender I trust in the development process and I trust in the Kings team game where a good goaltender can become a great goaltender in this system and a great goaltender can be an absolutely stellar goaltender which is what i think jonathan quick has benefited from and i think you can make that argument for a lot of good goaltenders you know like i don't think marty brodeur would have been marty brodeur if it wasn't for the fact that the devils played a game that you know sheltered him a little bit sure in my opinion yeah um that's not to say i think jack campbell's gonna be jonathan quick or marty brodeur but i think I think I've seen enough from him to know that it's a confidence thing. He definitely has the ability. It's just his confidence had been shattered from his experience coming up in Dallas and the expectations that were upon him versus now I see him playing a way more confident, calm game. And I think it's it's fully you know, possible that he'll hold the Kings in it for the 15 20 games however long it might be the quick is out yeah look he's not uh, like you said he's not jonathan quick but the last two games he's been i don't see how jonathan quick could have done better than he did i'll go as far as say the all three games campbell start like the only like i can't even think of a goal where i was like quick would have done anything different maybe that second winnipeg goal he looked kind of lost on that one but look very easily jonathan quick could have been doing snow angels on that too so you've seen him give up some softies from you know 80 feet, 85 feet right, out. So no issues, no issues with him. Um, interesting fact, the Kings in regulation are yet to allow more than two goals. So this goes back to exactly what you were just talking about. Goaltending plus the defense is doing the job. Um, one thing I noticed, Kings are getting outshot, right? Like mm. that's a theme here. I think Detroit outshot him, Winnipeg outshot him, Montreal outshot him last three games. Right. I wasn't sure what the total was for, for the San Jose game, but one thing I noticed, man, it, not too dangerous for the most part. A lot of rubber going to Campbell, but nothing where I – like not nothing, but not to the point where they're getting outchanced heavily each game. They're keeping everything mostly to the outside. Like Montreal was flying in the first period all over the place just taking shots, but nothing where you felt like there was immediate danger, imminent right. danger for the Kings. So – don't be fooled by the shot totals too much. Look, the Winnipeg game was domination. I have nothing to say. That's just a team where you roll in and you just know it's going to be tough. They have four lines that could skate hard, fast, all over you. They'll make you lose coverage very easily. But again, for the most part, the Jets were dangerous, but I don't remember too many where I was like, you know, Campbell stood on his head or Campbell 
kept us in the game. Otherwise, it would have been 9 nothing or something crazy like that. I didn't see that. Um, first period was okay. Second period was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg just had the puck the entire period. Uh, penalties, uh, the Adrian Kempe penalty parade. <laughs> Tickets still available, <laughs> apparently, because that hasn't stopped. Kempe's got to control that, man. That's one thing I, I wanted to touch on. He took one with two minutes left. Mm-hmm. Then he took a off, he's taken some offensive zone trips. Right. Slashes he, and whatnot. The dis, yeah, the discipline. Stick fouls, they, they got to go away for this kid. They have to because it's – you look up and you just know it's Kempe sometimes. Kempe or Muzzin, it seems, is the, <laughs> is the theme so far for penalties this season. Yeah, I think, uh, you know – it's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I think still require gelling. The power play which we've already touched upon has has gone over thirteen so far. You know that right. they need to figure out what they want to do with that. Whether they want to keep playing this net front presence kind of you know uh, shoot it towards the net and try to pick up the garbage, or are you actually going to use Kovalchuk for one of the reasons why you got Kovalchuk, which is create motion and open up a shooting lane for him from the top of the right faceoff dot. Right, because because right? um, umbrella and just feeding it over for a one timer is not going right. to work. That's not going to do it. That's that, not going to do it. You have to cycle that puck around. And even the, listen, the other team knows. The other team has known that for every freaking team that this guy has ever played on, the power play strategy is move everything around. And open up a shooting lane for Ilya to hammer it home. Right. And yet he has still potted, you know, 40 plus goals consistently. It's the same thing with Ovechkin. It doesn't matter if you know what the play is. It doesn't matter if you know exactly who to cover. If the other players are moving the puck around really well, the team that you're playing against has to has has to respond to that appropriately. And in doing so, you open up lanes. Your entire strategy on the power play right now, given that the guy who scored your most power play goals last season is injured, should be to focus on the dude who scores a ton of power play goals, who's made a living doing that. And yet the Kings still insist on doing the same, standing around, up the half wall, back up to the point, across the muzzin, back to Dowdy. I mean, it just... Here's the problem. In order to open him up, because you know they're going to cheat on his side. I mean, that's just... As a defender, you're like, okay, this is the guy that's the most dangerous. And that's the problem. The Kings' other power play, the personnel on the power play, have to show shot. Like, you have to show that you also are a weapon so that you can break the penalty kill structure. Like, they're just... Which game was it? The Winnipeg game, they had a power play to tie Mm -hmm. late in the third. Um, And... They just refused to shoot the puck. Right. They were just doing these weird... I think there was one play where they passed it back three times. So the closest closest guy to the slot passed it back. The next closest guy passed it back to Kovalchuk. And it's like, you have to show shot at some point. Kopitar, Dowdy have to show shot so they are also a threat. So that the the, uh, penalty killer who's all over Kovalchuk can leave his position to help out because he senses that other guys are now dangerous. Right. That's and, what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean by the totally. motion is, is it doesn't matter if you know in the back of your head that the whole thing that you're trying to create is a lane for him to shoot. If you move the puck around with the intention of deceiving the other team into thinking that someone else is a threat when everyone else still knows that the plan is to get that puck to Ilya, 
you can make that power play work. They just don't seem to know how to do that. The only no. thing that they really know how to do is get the get these slow shots off from the point and hope that the other three guys are just going to crash the net and pick up garbage. And a big problem is Dowdy and Muzzin on the power play. Say what you want. They're great. They're great at what they do. They're good shooters. But they have just struggled the last three or four years to get the puck through traffic. Mm-hmm. Like for all the reasons we don't like Slava Voinov at the moment, that's one thing that guy did very, very right. well is get the puck through layers, bodies, sticks, yeah. shin pads to Wisnowski the net. He was always amazing. Always at good. That. That's what, never shot the puck above knee level. Right. Never. He always managed to find this sweet spot right under on the ankles where the puck would just slip right through. So even though if a guy thought he was blocking it, there was just enough space between the legs for it to get through. Right. And I think Fanuf and Martinez are better than Dowdy and Muzzin at this. Agreed. And that's your top pairing on the power play. So a lot of it starts with them. They need to not only get shots through, but they need to shoot when they see there's a chance to shoot. They take too long. They have these endless wind-ups. Um it gives the defenders time to get in position to block their shots. There's guys crashing the net. Just get it through. There's no the problem is urgency. Last game, right. Stevens threw out Amadio, Anderson Dolan, and I forget who who was on their wing. I oh, actually it was Carter. Carter. Was threw, Carter. Threw that threw that unit out on the power play, and the two young guys were just like, I gotta shoot this puck. Yeah. And it was working. Yeah. Like it wasn't like perfect, but it was working. Amadio starts firing because of urgency because he knows that you know i'm not the guy to like set up this beautiful umbrella and like let's right. you know let's right. work it together boys that's not me i gotta right. get You're not this puck on a perfect play here uh, right he's not the guy to make the perfect play so he's thinking i better shoot this because that's what's going to keep me on the power play right that's just all he's thinking and it, it worked out better we didn't get the result but it worked out better it was dangerous so i mean look it's going to hopefully get better it certainly can't get worse than zero percent <laughs> so unless you, start, unless you start giving up shorthanders on every yeah even that doesn't affect your zero percentage luckily <laughs> but they should do that <laughs> they should do that negative four percent yeah so that's that on the power play um kings have ottawa tomorrow they're playing okay brady kachuk Couple of, couple, of, couple of Genos in his first game. Yeah. Or was it his second game? I'm not sure. Second but his, his first two goals. Uh, there's some, I guess, excitement there. Their young guys are performing well. Craig Anderson looks like he hates his life. <sighs> Poor like, guy. Totally hates his life. Matt Duchesne's still trying. Stone is still trying. So it's not well, going to... trade value, man. Or, or, you know, free agency value. <laughs> right. Um, so they're not going to roll over by any stretch of the imagination so it's not going to be an easy game but i expect the kings to pick up two points there um and then roll into toronto on monday which is going to be <laughs> get your flasks ready that Yeesh. might be that, that might, might be, be the game that one. we see jack campbell revert to dallas stars jack campbell through no fault of his own quite frankly yeah i think uh i think it's interesting you know um Again, it's very early on sample size, but some of these teams that um, you would expect to be terrible haven't quite come out and been as terrible. And yet there's been some pleasant surprises as to who's come out of the gate really slowly. Vegas in particular, I think, has looked as bad now as people thought they would be last season. So I don't know. I don't know if this is the William Carlson not quite 
being at last season's form yet. Certainly, they're giving up a ton of goals. You know, um, so it's uh, they're not scoring, right? Yeah, they're not scoring. Um, it's. I'll tell you though, from what I've seen, they're still getting their chances. Oh, I'm sure. I think they've hit like 11 posts in the first five games, and I'm not yeah. even exaggerating. They've had looks at the net where it's just hitting the post. So it's a PDO thing. Right. Last year, their PDO and shooting percentage was off the charts, right. unsustainable, and they sustained it. And this year, right. it's, it's, it's in the opposite direction where yeah. it's like so bad that it's unsustainable <laughs> to be that bad. So I'm not, you know, I don't think you are either. I'm not really... No, I'm not thinking they're going right, no, to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of commenting on some of these early season trends. You know, exactly. Vancouver hasn't been as terrible as you would think. No, Carolina is uh, like the best team in hockey. And they're having fun <laughs> and, you know, jumping on boards. I like that, actually. I like it, too. It was cool. Man, I, I, it's, that's such a Justin Williams thing, too. <laughs> you, know, like, you know it was him. Oh, it totally was. He said yeah. that, like, he basically came up with it as – as their idea, which I think is phenomenal, which is, again, you know, you want to talk about leadership making a big difference for a team. That's a heart and soul guy, man. I, I can't think of any team that Justin Williams has played on that hasn't completely missed having Justin Williams on their team after they left, probably for specifically something like that. Yeah. I wish the Kings had something original like that, although I guess everyone's really excited now that they're saluting the crowd after. Uh, after whatever. I could you know, the Rangers have been doing it for like. 12 seasons or something stupid like that seriously couldn't care less i, look, I don't like, either hey look if you're a fan and you wanted that i'm not no disrespect you wanted that you got it i'm happy for you yeah. but like man i couldn't care less if the team salutes me like seriously <laughs> i just what is it does nothing for me uh but um uh, interesting another interesting thing vardy mm -hmm. the minnesota wild are last in the central right now. <laughs> <Book> <laughs> with, with a 1-1 and one record Three points. Uh, I just wanted to <laughs> poke fun at that for a second. Um, I want to talk about this. The Oilers have only played two games. Yeah. Tampa's only played two games too, I think. Florida's it's, only played two games. But for the Devils too. But the Devils were with the Oilers over in Europe to start the season. So that I get. Um, here's what I don't get, dude. Like, your best player... I'm talking about the NHL. Your biggest mm -hmm. star yes. has not been featured in any capacity on NBC or the or any of the outlets where you get the most eyes on the game. You sent him to Europe to grow the game. I get that. Cool. Fine. But come on. <laughs> but how is he not front and center? Like how is it not Toronto? And Edmonton opening night. Just do it. Make it happen. Press a button. Find an algorithm to make that happen. Schedule makers. Come on. Yeah, man. Especially with, uh, with the hot ticket that Toronto is right now. They are so fun. They don't give a rat's ass about defense. They're just going to outscore you. Austin yeah. Matthews, the top four uh, leading point scorers in the league reside in Toronto. And one of them is your defenseman. Yes, who has, I think, over <laughs> the first five games, he's had the most points by any defenseman since Bobby Orr. <laughs> Just think Legitimate about that, Legitimate stat. Think about some of the names between Morgan Riley <laughs> and Bobby Orr. 
Okay. There have been a just, few. <laughs> just rattle them off in your head. Paul Coffey. Right yeah. Nicholas Lindstrom. Oh, my Eric God. Carlson. Niedermeyer, Pronger, just, Hall of Famers. Just, just offensive dynamos. And who comes along and <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Riley. Oh, my God. That uh, team, man. Mike Babcock must be having an aneurysm every single day on the bench, just watching them go, you know, seven six, seven five. <laughs> it's it's bonkers, man. It's bonkers. The leading point scorers, Austin Matthews, tied in first with twelve with Morgan Riley. <laughs> John Tavares. We might have to redo our uh, early season predictions here and give Morgan Riley the, the freaking Norris. John Tavares, 10 points. Mitch Marner, 10 points. Your top four NHL scorers. Austin Matthews, I think, is on pace for 140 goals. It's not going to happen. But, no. but what I do want to see happen, because it hasn't happened, I believe, since Brett Hull did it in 1992, 91 or 92, is I want to see him get 50 goals in 50 games. The bench is very much on the pace benchmark for, for, in my opinion, goal scoring. I don't know what you want to call it. Prowess. Prowess. Legend status is 50 and 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. The guys that, that have done it from the start of the season are like Maurice Richard, Wayne Gretzky, Mike Bossy, um Brett Hull I, I don't know if there's anyone else there might be this is from the start of the season I think Cam Neely and Mario Lemieux yeah. have at 50 and 50 so has right. Curry but not from the start of a season right so wasn't, um wasn't Kucherov or Stamkos close to it a couple seasons ago someone was close to it Ovi right. might have and sniffed then they it fell off a little bit it just doesn't happen it's just too hard it's hard man it's too hard man so many things have to go right like when when Gretzky scored fifty goals in thirty nine games, which right. is the re- record that Goal-tenders will never be touched. Lay down on the ice at that. Not time. just that, man. He was playing injured towards the end because he just wanted to get the record. Mm. Same thing when he had his fifty one game point streak. I think he had a separated shoulder, and he's like, "I'm going to play until the streak is over." So I think he put up like fifteen points <laughs> in the separated shoulder. Um, Could have been thirty if his shoulder was good. Right. So. Man, I just I hope he does it. Like I'm a fan of the game. Give like I love the game. Give me a story. Like, <laughs> you want to know what's fantastic? So Austin Matthews right now has 12 points, nine goals in five games. Yes, and somehow is still a minus one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tells you. <laughs> Go figure. That tells you, man. <laughs> Which is even more impressive when you look, because Tavares has 10 points. And six goals in five games, nothing to, to sneeze at, but he's a plus five. So perhaps defensive play is not really uh, young young Mr. Matthews' forte, Yeah, if you believe that much in plus minus. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy man. but fun. Crazy but fun, man. So, um, yeah, I think uh, – so just, just looking at those four games, though, the Kings have played, isn't this about what you would think I the results think so. would be? Especially considering a few – dinged up players and everything yeah. like yeah two one and one man like i think last year they were four and oh at this point but you grab five points out of a possible eight with uh one of those well two of those games being against what people have deemed stanley cup contenders including one of them at home 
in Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, for, for right. Winnipeg at home. And, you know, they had lost seven games all last season at home. Right. So you have two cup contenders and two, like, two teams that people might say were lottery contenders. Yes. And you get five points. Not bad. Hey. Yeah. And I, look, Ottawa, I expect a win. Toronto, I expect a loss. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, you're not going to go 82 and 0. No team does. I think the important thing is that over the course of an 82 game season, you pick up the points that you're supposed, supposed to get. To. Absolutely. And we talked about this last year, big time. Right. Like, that. Right. that's the difference, man. You got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and the rest will be fine because you're going to surprise some good teams that just bound to happen. This is the NHL. Totally. And, and so you're going to have some, and you're going to have some dozers at home where absolutely. you lose to, you know, like Minnesota. But it's going to happen. And so I, I think right now they're playing up to expectation. Um, probably getting a little lucky if we're being honest in terms of fine. The, you know, if you're going off a PDO, which is basically their shooting percentage plus their save percentage, and league average is around 100. If you they're look across the course, of, right? Right, they're like 103.5, and so there's there's certainly an element of luck going on there. But I don't think that luck is due to shooting percentage. It's not like every shot that they're putting on it is going in, or else they'd have way more goals. I think their save percentage is booing them quite a bit right now, which is fine. Because, again, the Kings are a good defensive team. If there's one thing that they've proven season to season, coach to coach, is that they are a good defensive team and they're successful in limiting uh, opposition teams from scoring against them. Their problem has classically been scoring enough goals to to beat the teams that are only scoring one or two goals against them. Right, right. So hopefully – we start seeing some of those things getting ironed out. And, you know, John Stevens is already breaking out the line blender, putting Jeff Carter on the right wing with Mike Amadio and uh, and Anderson Dolan. So And what happens? Carter has his best game. It, with, his, with his pitching wedge goal, as you put it, which yep. I think was phenomenal. <laughs> so I think it's, uh, he, you know, we're not afraid to try new things in terms of line matchups and whatever it may be. So hopefully some of that transcends into how they're setting up their power play right now. Because early review, again, small sample size, I'm really happy with how Kovalchuk looks. Oh, he looks I great. I think he looks, he looks phenomenal. He looks great. I've read some things about like people were like, I never knew. And like, I, like I'm not – this is not braggadocious. We knew, right? Like we – in fact, like when we were younger, Kovalchuk was one of the players we followed the most. We right. liked the most. We considered ourselves fans of his. Like he's a physical player, man, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Right. I think they expected him to be like this floater who doesn't is not willing to pay the price in the corners, but he's never been that way. He's right. always had an edge to his game, no matter how small or big the edge is. Like he's always had this grit factor, this very light right. grittiness to him. And man, just a smart player. It's high, like a sneaky grit. Yeah, he's high hockey IQ guy. Like he's making, he sees things that no one else sees, and you can see that right away. He's willing right. to do things and try things where he's like, "Yeah, you know, it might not work, but I know I could do it." That pass to Ayafalo, I think, against Detroit, where he chased down a loose puck behind the net and kind of had the goalie flub it, and then blindly, but somewhat knowingly, backhand throws it into the slot where Ayafalo just hammers it home. Right. That's that is a fantastic play. By the way, no That's, idea how that goal counts. 
yeah. still very confused. No, no clue. I have never no seen clue. the net so off. Right. <laughs> and the goal count like that. Right. And it wasn't even like debated. No one even like that. Well, so it's interesting. If you read that rule, it there is a factor to it that if the goaltender knocks the net off based on their motion and it seems as though this puck is going to go in regardless of if the net is on its moorings or not, the ref can count it. But Mind the, you, the, I don't think that that puck if would that, have gone I in. Think, yes. I, I agree think with you. If the net was on its moorings, that puck was going off the crossbar. I, I don't think that's that was what going I saw in. too. And yeah. that's why I was stunned. Like if that puck Absolutely was on the ice stunned. when it went in, I'd say, okay, what difference does it make if it's on the moorings or not? It's on right. the ice. It crosses the goal line. I follow <laughs> to his credit, put that thing top cheese. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think if the net was where it needed to be, top cheese would have been crossbar and out personally. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> interesting call there. Interesting call. Hey man, I'll take it. Yeah. It was when it was also, I mean, it was just as baffling as this goalie interference call from last night where, <laughs> again with the three reviews guys why <laughs> why well the call on the ice goalie <laughs> interference right is that right like call on the ice goalie interference yes they review it and call it a goal because with it, no real explanation as to okay. why and then the kings have to challenge it <laughs> so that it could be no goal again like why are you why can't and then their explanation was terrible too. They submitted like this huge legal paragraph about what exactly happened, and all they said was initial call was no goal. It was reviewed and built to be a goal, <laughs> but then Los Angeles challenged and call was reversed. It's like, yes, thank you. You well, just recanted it, the facts. I just need to really know what, what was the call on the ice. That's the part that I don't understand because it can't be goalie interference. Because if it's goalie interference, right. then the first review would have done. Right. Everything. So, what's the call? Is it high stick? Is it early whistle? I don't know. Which makes no sense. I still don't know. The Uh, NHL is very good about being cryptic about things that probably should be explained better. I mean, anyway, it went in our favor, so we're cool. I guess we're cool with that. Yeah. So, should we look ahead at the schedule here? So, obviously, we have Ottawa coming up, Toronto coming up. Yep. And then uh, NYI and Buff at home. NYI and Buff. Yeah. So, so again, if you're just looking at this road trip and, you know, I think most people will tell you, most teams will say that a 500 record on, on the road is kind of what they would shoot for, right? Yep. Would you agree with that? That's what everyone says. That is the old hockey cliche. So, right. let's go so, with it. So, let's say, uh, so, so far one and one between, uh, yes, between Winnipeg. Winnipeg and Montreal. Ottawa, Toronto. One and I think one. you go. I think you go one and one there too. <laughs> so you're two and two, right? Yes. And then, uh, and that that's that's your road trip right there. Yep. If you come back you come two home, and two, you're good. Right. If you could so steal you, a point out of Toronto, you're golden. And if you could steal a point out of Toronto, you're doing something that not a lot of teams are. are yeah, that be means. Able to do. Well, that's the thing. I don't think Toronto's really played a team that prides itself on defense quite like the Kings yet. So that's going to be kind of kind of interesting to see what happens there. It is. It is. Yeah. And I, from a fan's point of view, if you're able to watch that game and kind of look beyond the fact that you're a Kings fan and ultimately you want the Kings to win, I think you have to enjoy every opportunity you can to watch that team just play. Oh, yeah. Just watch them just make magic. Yeah. 
and and see how hockey can be played. That's not to say that we don't love the Kings when they win. And but it's not to say that the Leafs are perfect. They're not. <laughs> they are they're, imperfect. They're far from perfect. But they play a completely polar opposite game to what the Kings play. Yes. And so if you as a Kings fan, you know, you don't have all the time in the world, none of us do, to watch other teams play, you maybe don't get a sense of how different different teams can be. Yeah. How hockey can be played at a different level or different form than how the Kings play it. Correct. And if you want to see a team play it that way, tune into Toronto That's on Monday. That's the team to watch. They yeah. are they are the ticket in hockey right now. I don't care. Totally. Because the Oilers don't have the pieces around McDavid. Right. Otherwise, they would be. Um, so it's, yeah, man, it's Toronto. It's Toronto. Just tons of fun, never a dull moment. Let's just put it that this? way. D- Sorry, you you mentioned McDavid. Did you see this goal he scored against? I want to say Boston. Oh yeah, did they play Boston? <laughs> yes. Good lord. <laughs> Good is... lord, man. Man, he, fast forward. That's how this kid plays. It's like if you could pick a player on the ice and just fast forward him. That's how McDavid plays. Yeah. He just scorched everybody. Zdeno right. Chara should retire because of that play. It, it's fun. And if you guys haven't seen this, by the way, just just Google YouTube McDavid Boston goal whenever it was in October, okay? And just see this guy go end to end, not single handedly, mind you. No, but just, he had help. Yeah, he had help because they know how to help him. They From know his that, new like, winger Ty Ratty. That's right, the rat. <laughs> um, just just watch this play. Just watch the presence. Watch his ability to find open ice so the puck can come to him. He has zero expectation of, oh, this guy will find me. He knows where to go for the puck to find him. Yeah. That's the beauty of a guy like this. And he knows how to do something with the puck. Yeah. So it's, it's just a phenomenal play. And you just feel for the guy. You watch him on that team and you go, man, you are, you are going to suffer for a long time, what my friend, before you win a cup. What a poor team they've built around him. I'm sorry. I think I had optimism for that. But then you just look at the roster, man. It's like... Lucic yeah. is not going to be the guy. Like, Ty Ratty is not the guy. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, two seasons ago, hell, even last season, we thought they were going to win the Pacific. That's what you and I both oh, yeah. predicted. Everyone did. And it just, man, just can't seem to come together for that team. So, unfortunate for him. Um, maybe maybe they'll convince someone else, like John Tavares, to come to, to Edmonton well, next they, time. Well, they went really, they went real young. Yeah, they went. Let's see. Yamamoto made the team. Kyler Yamamoto. He's on the team. Yes, he Puliyarvi made the team. Just straight out of camp, these kids right. are just make it. They're. I think the Oilers are like, screw it. Like we're just gonna pack this we're team with young players. Yeah. We... There you go. So they might get better, but we'll see. But I think that's a pretty solid hour and ten minutes we just put into this yeah, thing. Buddy. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover since we're since we're here no no no, no i'm good oh, cool i'm good yeah. um episode 28 successful i look forward to episode 29 for various reasons ah it has been my that's... hockey number my entire life yes. and also there haven't been too many great number 29s I'll, I'll have in la in king's archives. history so i'm curious to see Oh, they don't have to be great. I know. Great well, is not a prerequisite for this. Let's just say even slightly relevant is tough with that number <laughs> in King's history. Yes. I might have to dig to the dig to the archives for that one. Yeah. 
But uh, so looking ahead, guys, we'll probably come back to you towards the end of October. Maybe we'll have a bit of a clearer picture as to who from the Kings is going to get back into the roster soon. You're already hearing, I think just today, um, Brown actually got out in full gear and was uh, was skating and uh, playing pucks. Uh, So looking, you know, looking good. Probably sooner than later. Yeah, like maybe an early November return, which would be nice. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Gabe Velarde. Yep. You know, we've been seeing video clips of him being out on the ice in full gear, not taking hits yet, but again, a slow, gradual process. And I think, I think by the end of October, we're going to have a clearer picture here as to as to which way things are trending, not just for the Kings, but for the rest of the division as well. And there's there's a lot of games in October, man. Between now and the end of October, the Kings have one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven <clears throat> games, guys. Seven yeah. games between now and the end of October, which is not a lot of time. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. It's always fun. It's always a joy. The first week of the season is always crazy. Enjoy the craziness. It mm-hmm. will end. These scores will go down, I promise you, unfortunately. We right. have not traveled back to 1984. This is not going to continue. So enjoy it while it lasts, guys. We'll see you next time for episode 29. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter. We are now on Facebook. Interact. Be interacted with. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Tell us you're indifferent about us. We'll take it all. Tell us you got the wrong email. Whatever works. See you guys next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.